So really pumped about this series, Intentional Acts of Kindness. Pastor Aretha killed it last week. Such a great message. Got to work with Cambodia. Some real convicting points in that message. And we're going to continue with the sermon called The Recognition Deficit. And I'm going to explain that in a little bit. But let's jump right into Ephesians. And I'm going to read the scripture today, and we're going to unpack it. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you with all malice, and be kind to one another." Tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God and Christ forgave you. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Oh, dear Father, I pray that you would bless this word to our hearts, that we would not just be hearers of the word, but doers of the word. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. I was reading this story about one of the executives for PepsiCo. Uh, I say pop, some of you might say soda. But this guy, David, he was an executive for Pepsi, sugar water for those of you who call it that. I think Steve Jobs did it. And uh, anyways, he was making rounds to kind of evaluate how people were doing with merchandising, selling it, how they were making Pepsi presentable. And he went to Missouri and did a round table with all the different stations throughout that state to see how they were doing. There's one weaker area and they were doing a great job presenting the product. So at a round table, he said, hey, I'm trying to up our merchandising style technique. We need to sell more. I need to find someone who's really good with merchandising. Who will be this person? And they started to talk and brainstorm, but they started to speak up to people at the round table. They said, hey, if you want to work on merchandising, the best in the biz is this guy named Bob. Bob, he just kills it. He's great, he's on time, he's diligent. He just, for so many decades, he's been very excellent in the field of merchandising. And people around the room started to affirm that and confirm this word. They're like, oh yeah, Bob, Bob is the best. Bob, Bob is the man. And so as more and more people share these kind words, something really crazy happened. They're saying all these kind things about Bob. But Bob in the room, he starts to weep. He starts to, in fact, stop. This grown man is crying. And finally, David, this executive from Pepsi, is saying, Bob, people are saying all these nice things. Like, why are you weeping right now? Why are you crying? And Bob said, hey, I've been in this business for about 38 years now, and I'm about to retire in two weeks. And I've never heard anybody say that I've done a good job. In fact, I didn't know I was making a difference. I didn't know I had any talent or skill. And this is the first time in my career I felt like I'm doing something right. That's why I'm crying. You know, sometimes unspoken words are the loudest. For Bob, those unspoken words, for decades of serving and working hard, not receiving affirmation, those words spoke really, really loud. And in this series of intentional acts of kindness, I want to challenge us as Kalos Church to find the Bobs in our lives. 
people who are going through the motions, people who are working so hard, they're trying to use their time, their talent, and their treasure to make a difference in this world or to live a good life or to advance the kingdom of God or just survive, but they don't feel like anybody recognizes that they're doing anything good at all. And in this series of intentional acts of kindness, I believe we can truly make a difference if we give people words of kindness and words of affirmation. I believe that we live in a time that is in a recognition deficit. In fact, I was reading about some stats with this, just on a business sense, and from a management standpoint, 54% of senior managers feel it's common for staff to quit due to lack of recognition. And 76% of millennials in this report reported that they, they quit as well if they felt like they were under-recognized. Many of us, we know, whether it's volunteering at a church or working at a job or slaving away in our families, we know what it feels like to be unrecognized. In fact, many of us, the last time we received like a round of applause was our high school graduation. And there's something that we're hungry for, thirsty for, not anything super special, but I just wish that people saw me for what I was doing and who I am. I wish that I was recognized. And I believe that this is an opportunity for us as the people of God to love people in a practical way, that our affirmation might be received as love for people. And we know what it's like because in our families, many times, and in our friends, we receive words that are quite the opposite of affirmation. You know, in my life, I, I can deal with insecurity a lot, especially after preaching a message. So in our family with Pastor Maritha, after I preach a sermon or she preaches a sermon, we have a rule in our family that says you're not allowed to negatively criticize the message until 12 hours are passed. <laughs> 12 hours. So like, after uh, this message and after all of our messages, we'll get in the car, we'll go home, and actually, Pastor Maritha, she has a list in her phone of things to say to me. <laughs> and she takes notes intentionally during the service, in this sermon, so that she can encourage me and not let me die in my complete insecurity. It's, it's so wild. And I, I, even as a pastor, just being vulnerable today, get really insecure and seek affirmation. Yes, I find my affirmation through Christ and my identity is in God, but sometimes it feels good to have my wife talk to me and say, Hey, honey, you preach the word of God faithfully. You're a man of God. I believe in you. You made the people laugh. You made them cry. God really used you in a mighty way. And I'm saying, Say it again, would ya? <laughs> She's like, I, I just said it three times. You want me to say it again? I'm like, yeah, please. All right, you're 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 a really good preacher. <laughs> that message connects with the people. Tell tell me again how sexy my cardigan is. Tell, one more time, your cardigan is so so attractive, honey. Th thanks, thanks, my dear. Thank you, my dear. <laughs> you know, it's just that affirmation. We as humans, we we like to know that we're doing something right. We like to feel recognized. And as a generation, I think there's so many people in our lives that they've only heard the opposite. They've heard they've heard things like, you know, uh, you'll never amount to anything. I wish I never had you. You're nothing like your brother. I'm so sick of you. You'll you'll never change. Oh, you. You're just gonna do it again. You're you're a loser. You're an idiot. 
You don't have what it takes to succeed. Keep dreaming. We've all heard words. And I, I just really believe that there's an opportunity for us to speak words of kindness for the Bobs in our lives, to make a difference and let our affirmation be love, and to turn the tides of emotional stinginess. You know, that scripture says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. And I believe that there is a need for affirmation, that it may benefit those who listen. So why, why are these words of affirmation so important? Saying kind words, why are they so important? Well, I want to share a couple of scriptures and really unpack this a little bit more. But in Genesis 1, I want to unpack a scripture here from verses 6 through 8. In the story of how God created the heavens and the earth, there are little verses that say things like this. In verse 6, then God said, let there be space between the waters to separate the waters of the heavens from the waters of the earth. And this is what happened. That's key. God made the space to separate the waters of the earth from the waters of the head. God called the space sky. So I like this because God says something and it happens. God speaks, let there be heavens, let there be sky, let there be lights, let there be dry land, let there be the earth, let there be, let there be. He's speaking these things and they come to be. And point number one is, your words create worlds. Your words create worlds. God, when he created the heavens and the earth, he didn't just wave his hand like some extravagant wizard. He spoke it, and it came to be. The same thing happens to us. I mean, if you even read this Genesis scripture, the first assignment God gives Adam is to use his words to name the animals. And whatever the animals are named, that's what it will be. And so God speaks the world into existence, and then he tells humans to speak names over animals into existence because our words have creative power. Your words create worlds. And there's another scripture in Proverbs 18.21. It says this, The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. So God spoke the world existence into existence. And when you speak words of affirmation, also words of cursing, you create a world for people to live in. You create a world. I remember when I was growing up in high school, I was thinking about becoming a Christian. I just started going to church. And uh, there was this lady named Betty Shepherd. And uh, I went to a country-style church. They literally worshipped the God of country music, worshipped God of country music. It was really awkward, but I loved it, and I had an encounter with God there. And there was, like, one black lady in the whole congregation. And because I was, like, the one brown guy, I would just, I would run to her every service. <laughs> and I would just start talking to her. And every week, you know, I was in this world where I was contemplating suicide. I, I was, like... You know, getting arrested, I've been in so many detentions. My whole world was death and darkness. But every Sunday morning, I would go to Betty Shepherd, and she would just compliment me. She would just say, Hey, you're a man of God. You're a man of God. You're so handsome. God's going to use you to do great things. You know what? I think, I think God might be calling you to be a preacher. I think God might make you a pastor. I just see you as a leader of leaders. And, uh, I don't know if she realized what was happening, but I would wonder every Sunday, 
And I think she thought maybe I was just being polite, you know, because I say, hey, good morning, it's so good to see you. And she was just so excited. She loved young people. And every week, though, I go there because I knew she would compliment me. She would affirm me. She would speak life into me. And I, I found it addictive. Have you ever met someone like that? You just find yourself walking towards them because you know that they're going to breathe life into you. I was just in this world of death, in darkness. I was contemplating suicide. Uh, it was just a mess in my world. But every Sunday morning, this lady would speak life over me and create a whole new world for me to live in. Her words created a life of true life me. And your words create worlds, but it goes the opposite, too. Your words can create death. And I feel like, you know, when we're in arguments or we're in our lives, we, we kind of test ourselves. Am I right or wrong? We, we'll excuse ourselves for saying things like, well, I was right. Or I'm just telling you the truth. I'm just telling you how it is. But I think we as believers need to start asking us ourselves this. Instead of checking if you're right or wrong, See if you are bringing life or death. Instead of just checking, am I right? Am I wrong? Am I bringing life or am I bringing death? You know, with the words you speak to the people around you, do you create a world of death or do you create a world of life? I mean, think about it. The sarcastic jokes, the cutting down, or the words of affirmation and encouragement. I mean, if people were to tell you what kind of world you create normally with your life, would they say you create a world of life for them or a world of death? The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. It, it's just such a powerful reality because we've been taught that. You know, as kids, you remember that, that nursery rhyme, or I don't know if it's a rhyme, but sticks and stones will break your bones, but words will never hurt you. Well, I, I think whoever created that nursery rhyme doesn't know the scriptural truth that words create worlds. Because words hurt. I mean, we're haunted by words. We're haunted by the things our parents said or the parents, things our parents didn't say. We're, we're haunted by bullying or the scars of bullying. I mean, there, there are words that have scarred people and we have to go through therapy or we have to get healing. We need to find truth because words have created these horrible worlds for us. And there, there are people around us who are in a world of death, but we have an opportunity to create a world of life. Amen? And so this is so important. Number two, the reason why we need to be able to find the bobs in our lives and speak words of affirmation is this. Because words reveal hearts. Matthew 12, 33-37 says this. Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For the tree is known by its fruit. So we've got a fruit theme going on. Remember in Proverbs, it says, the tongue speaks life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Now, talking about fruit again, so well, a tree will be known by its fruit. This is Jesus speaking. He then says, you brood of vipers, how can you, being evil, speak what is good? For the mouth speaks out of that which fills the heart. The mouth speaks out of that which fills the heart. Another way of saying that is out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Jesus says that. Though on the internet, uh, some people say another person said it. Hey, Phil, can you put that picture up? Is that up there? 
No, no, never mind. I found a picture on the internet that says, out of the heart, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. But the picture of Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> Claiming he said, the devil is a liar. Matthew McConaughey did not invent that. People are offended in this room. We got some Matthew McConaughey lovers in here. <laughs> Jesus said that. Don't give Matthew McConaughey the glory. Give Jesus the glory, Daisy. You know what I'm saying? All right. <laughs> All right, so verse 35. The good man uh, brings out of his good treasure what is good, and the evil man brings out of his evil treasure what is evil. But I tell you that every careless word that people speak, they will give an accounting for it in the day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. This is a powerful word, saying that out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth speaks. Whatever is in your heart will eventually come out of your mouth. And that is the fruit of our lives. It determines what kind of tree we are. An apple tree produces what kind of fruit? They're good. An orange tree produces what kind of fruit? Right. So if you have bitter words, what kind of heart do you have? A bitter heart. If you have sarcastic words that cut people down all the time, what kind of heart do you have? A sarcastic, cutting down kind of heart. I mean, this is a reality. I mean, many times in fights, though, we'll say words and we'll attack someone, and we'll, we'll be like, ah, you know, that, I'm sorry, honey, that, that wasn't my heart. They're just words. That was, I, I didn't mean that. Well, if you believe what Jesus is saying in the scripture, if your mouth is saying it, your heart is living. And you can't just say, you can't, you can't separate what your mouth says from what your heart believes. If you're believing what Jesus is saying. Because out of the mouth, the words that come out, it's what's going on inside of your heart. In James 3, 9-12, it says this, with the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree, oh, another fruit reference, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. You're going to be judged for every word that you say. Even if you say, I was just joking, you're going to be judged for that. Oh, I was just kidding. Oh, I didn't mean that. Oh, that's not my heart. You're going to be judged for that. And you know why? Because your words create worlds. You know, I remember when I was in college, I used to love saying sexist jokes. Because I, I was not sexist. And I thought everybody would just say, oh, you're saying those jokes to be ridiculous. But I realized that people started to believe what I was saying. Because words create worlds. I would say things like, hey, hey how, do you, how, do you turn, how do you turn a fox into a dog? <laughs> Marry her. <laughs> and I, I thought it was so funny. I, thought, I was just, I was just oh, amazing. Breathing so good. I'm amazing. Like, you know, and uh, that, a couple of girls came up to me in college and they were like, hey, um, I, I noticed you've been saying a lot of these kind of jokes and we think you're kidding, but a, a lot of these girls are starting to feel like 
less than guys. Like, you carry a lot of weight for Ethan. Your words speak to authority, and like, they're starting to think like less than, and now in group settings, they're afraid to talk. They're afraid to be who they are because they're, they're afraid that they're going to be an easy target. And so, I don't know if you realize this, Ethan, but you've created an environment where the women in our organization are shrinking back. They're not, they're not being who they are. They're, they're afraid to speak up because they think you're just going to make a joke and cut them down and belittle them and put them down. I was like, oh my goodness. No, I was, I was just joking. I was just, I was just kidding. And then the scripture just convicted me. Because if, if I'm saying it, that's telling me something about my heart. If I really believe what Jesus is saying in the scripture. If, I, if I'm saying these kind of jokes, cutting people down, I realize that there's something in my heart that says, hey, if people are an easy target, I can bully them, and I'm not going to face any repercussions. Pretty even, you have a bully heart. You have a heart that takes advantage of the weak. And you can tell people's character by what they do for someone who can't hurt them back or can't bless them back. Or just, when you take advantage of people, that reveals a lot about who you are. And I realized that I created an environment where my jokes and my wit and the guy culture I was creating made it a real easy place for us to joke, and so we were in a position of strength, but it made it a very difficult place for the women that we loved in our lives to be all that God called them to be. And it showed my heart. You know, let's, let's be honest. Some of us, we, we excuse ourselves in the name of joking, the name of saying, that's just not my heart, in fights. We say some really mean things in fights. And we say, I'm sorry, I just got caught up in the heat of the moment. That, that was just me speaking in anger. No, that was you speaking in your heart. That was you sharing what, you, your, maybe your, your, your defenses were down, maybe your walls were pushed aside because you're angry, but you said it, it reveals your heart. And that's so dangerous because our words create worlds and people are living in them. Are you someone that's filled with sarcasm, mean words, bullying, putting people down, discounting them, contempt, road rage, or cussing people out? Oh, someone got convicted. <laughs> you know, you know, though, it's a fruit of what's going on in our heart. But you know what? I'm excited about it. We serve God who gives us a new heart. No matter what you say in your car to that four tours. <laughs> no matter what you yelled to that Kia Soul the other day. God can give you a new soul. Come on, somebody. <laughs> God, he gives us a fresh start. And he heals us. And he delivers us. And we invite Jesus into our heart. And he takes our heart of stone and he makes it a heart of flesh. It's amazing. So don't let this message be message of condemnation, but also let us take seriously the worlds we create with our words. Amen? You know, I, I just believe this as well, number three, that our words have the power to heal wounds. Our words can heal wounds. Proverbs 16, 24 says this, gracious words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bone. Hey, Chanel, can you come up here? Can you grab a bag of rocks? Thanks. I want to read another scripture to you while she's coming up here. Proverbs 12, 25 says this. Anxiety weighs down the heart, 
but a kind word cheers it up. Anxiety weighs down the heart, but a kind word cheers it up. So we're living life, and many of us, we go through hard words that are just kind of weighing us down. You ever have someone say something mean, or a text that you're not sure how to interpret it, and it weighs you down? Who's that there? You're like, ah, oh, what do they mean? Do they hate me? Do they love me? And, and these, you know, something your boss says, or a joke that maybe you're taking a little too seriously, these pressures oftentimes, can someone else help me with this big? There we go. Actually, never mind. I got it. So we, we just hear these unkind words and belittling words and dumb jokes like people like me say. And then eventually we just, we find that we're walking through life and we're just a little heavy. You ever feel that way? Just a little, little heavy. And more and more anxiety comes and worry comes. And what if they meant what they said? What if, what if they're... <laughs> What if they really mean it? Maybe I am ugly. Maybe I don't want to have what it takes. Maybe I will never be a man or a woman or God. Maybe I am a loser. Maybe I do need to, whatever, whatever. And we're, we're just like Chanel here. We're just, we're just weighed down. Why don't you come here and say a little bit? And so anxiety weighs down on the heart, but a kind word cheers it up. So how are you feeling right now? Um, not great. Could be better. Do you think you could do like a... Jumping jack right now? I Could you do like a lunch? You know, there's people like like this right now in our lives that are just way down. In fact, it might be you this morning. There, there's just people, like we don't know what kind of weight they're carrying. We have no clue. But people are weighed down with anxiety. People are weighed down with voices in their head that are repeating these hurtful things on a loop over and over and over again. I'm a loser. I'm a loser. I'm a loser. You're screwed. You're screwed. You're screwed. Oh, you messed up again. Yeah, you're always going to mess up. You are messed up. You are messed up. You are messed up. You know that voice in your head? I have I say it sometimes. I make a mistake. Or even, ah, you're a loser. You did it again. Ah, you're, you're supposed to be a pastor when you're having that someone comes along in your life and they'll say something kind like Betty Shepard did for me. You're a man of God. And it, it lifts you up. It like takes weight off of you. A kind word cheers you up. And suddenly that anxiety that weighed you down at one point is no longer weighing you down as much. Isn't it weird how something in your life can happen and you're just like, how am I going to get through this? What's going to happen? Then someone spends 30 seconds with you and they just say words and suddenly it feels like life has changed when nothing in reality has actually changed but you feel like better that's the power of words and that's the power of intentional acts of kindness anxiety weighs down the heart but a kind word cheers it up and so I want to challenge us can we find the rocks in people's lives and can we start to bear their burdens can we start helping our people with kind words? Hey, I believe in you. I love you. I just want to tell you, I'm not hating on you, but you're extremely good looking. I think, I think your carpet is extremely attractive. Like, can we, can we be that kind of church, Kayla's church? I mean, this is the power we have with words. Are we going to create a world that people want to live in? Yes or no? Let's give it up. <laughs> Great job. You're a woman of God. I believe in you. You have a bright future. 
You're hanging out the tail. You're bumping out the knee. You're rock star. <laughs> yeah. I love it. All right. Only way to transition this is a quote from Mother Teresa. Kind words can be short and easy to speak, but their echoes are truly endless. Thank you, Mother Teresa. That's good. You know, I, I found something in my life. I don't know if you felt this. I know Bob from our original story, he felt this way. But people are more often encouraged by kind words than kind thoughts. Let's get real practical. You have a lot of kind thoughts about people in your life. They think they're an idiot right now. They're walking in death and darkness right now. They don't know what you're thinking. They don't know that you like their smile or you think that they are walking into confidence. They don't know that you wish you were like them. They have no idea because your kind thoughts aren't encouraging anybody. They're not, but your kind words, oh man, it encourages, it lifts up, it makes a difference. And I just want to challenge you, if you feel like you should tell something to somebody that's encouraging, say it. Don't pray about it. Don't think about it. Just love somebody. Encourage them. Don't let Bob go 38 years or however long without knowing that he's doing a good job in your work, in your family. Man, I don't want anybody to compliment my wife more than me. But in our marriages, sometimes that happens. Sometimes I, I feel like people will tell Pastor Aretha, oh, you're so beautiful, you're so smart, you're so funny. And I realize I believe in focusing on what she's doing wrong in her marriage. And I get convicted. I let other people compliment my family than me when I'm supposed to love them and create a world of love and light and hope. Are the people at your work complimented by others more than you, affirmed by others more than you? That should not be so. I have a question for us. For those of us who are prone for criticisms and things like this, what if, what if, what if we put people's strengths under a magnifying glass instead of their weaknesses? What kind of world would we create if we started putting people's strengths under a magnifying glass instead of their weaknesses? This mindset alone will change some of our marriages. We fell in love because we focused on each other's best, and we fall out of love when we focus on each other's worst. You create worlds with your words. I mean, ah, oh, we can lift people up. If you feel like you should say something, say it. We'll regret the unkind words we said and the kind words we never said. May it never be said of the people at Kayla's church. I never knew you thought that of me. I never knew you thought that of me. Band, you guys can come up. Uh, you know, when last story as I close and just as we pray. When I, when I was in college, I, I was just going through a rough time my freshman year. You know, I felt like a small fish in a big pond where I had all these friends and connections in high school. Being a freshman in college, I, I was really overwhelmed. And one day as I was just thinking about this, I felt like the Lord spoke to me. And he said, hey, this Friday night, I just want you to stay in your dorm room. And I want you to write a letter to this guy named Kyle. And I didn't really know Kyle that well. He was in my German class that met at like 7.50 a.m. So we hardly talked when we did. It was in German. And despite how I look, I am not German. <laughs> you know, so it's a lot of, you know, wie geht's? Was machst du in deiner Freizeit? Sehr gut. And uh, phrases like that. Volkswagen. Jetta. And, uh... <laughs> 
So I went to my room and I, I just turned on some worship music. And I just started praying, Lord, like, I don't really know Kyle that well. What am I supposed to say? So I just started praying and worshiping God and just really saying, God, I want your presence here. Let your will be done. Let you let heaven come to earth right now. Lord, uh, I just want to hear your voice. What would you say over Kyle? I just started writing these things that I, I didn't really know, like from knowing him, but I felt like the Lord was speaking to me. Intimate details about his life. Things that I, I was afraid to share. Things that were convicting, but also encouraging. Like, Kyle, I know you're, you're dealing with this sin in your life. Kyle, I know, da da da. But here's what the Lord says The Lord just wants to say, hey, this thing you did, and I wrote a very specific event. The Lord sees it and recognizes it. And he's so proud of you. He loves you. He has a plan for your life. And I'm writing all these specific details about bad things he did and good things he did. And I'm, I'm thinking, there's no way, Lord, I can give Kyle this letter. I don't even know if this is my voice. I don't know if this is real. He's going to think, like, I'm kind of a freak. But I felt like he was it. He, he needs to hear this. So I, I just wrote that letter. And uh, the next day in German class, I gave it to him. And he was like, don't go to and uh, that night, he, he walked into my uh, dorm and knocked on my door. And I'm like, oh, this is going to be awkward. He's going to be either really mad at me or just think I'm a really weird guy. He knocks the door, opens it up, and he is just weeping. Tears are running down his face. And he goes, he's just crying. He goes, Oh, Jesus, I pray that you would give us a clean and fresh.
fresh heart, Lord. That if there is bitterness and hurt and anger inside of our hearts, Lord, pray that you would heal our hearts. Give us a new heart. That out of our mouths, that we would just make a habit of encouraging people with kindness. Oh, Lord, we pray. Amen.